starting to get match fit now, and we've got another break. So, welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 349 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello and welcome. Welcome back, Andres. Thank you. Uh, we will begin by reminding you that Hand of Pod is sponsored by Fanatis. Fanatis is a wonderful service that means that wherever you are in the world, outside Latin America, you can, you can watch the Argentine Superliga, the Copa Argentina, and much, much more. If you're lucky enough to be in the United States, then you can also uh, continue to watch the Copa Libertadores and the Copa Sudamericana via Fanatis tie-ins with Gold TV and BN Sport. I am informed by one of my American, one of our American listeners, um, that several cable packages are dropping these channels. So if you're American and you want to carry on watching the Libertadores and the Sudamericana, Fanatis still has them at the moment. So get involved. If you're a Handapod listener, then you can get 20% off your first three months with Fanatis, as well as a seven-day free trial. You just have to go to fntz.co slash hop and use the discount code HOPFZ. You can, of course, replace the Z with a Z if you're American and you prefer it that way. Um, you might not want to start your seven-day free trial just yet, though, if you've not yet started up, because, as I say, we're about to go into a break for a week, and we will explain why a bit later. Yeah, the recommended, perhaps, uh, idea is to <clears throat> subscribe the, with, with this free seven days just before the perhaps the Super Classico is being played, so that they have that uh, possible... Uh, Try, yeah. and then, yeah, subscribe and, and get that per, uh, 20%. Or just this time next week, or next, next, week, next yes. Thursday or Friday, and you'll get a full round of matches. But if you use the seven-day free trial starting as soon as you hear this episode, if you listen to it when it goes online, you're not going to get any free football yes. uh, because there isn't any Super Liga this weekend, um, or indeed any lower division football in Argentina. Uh, anyway, the results from the weekend just gone are... Huracan, or not just gone, because it's Thursday night already. So actually this was some time ago. But the results from last weekend were Huracan 2, Colón 0, Aldo Civi 0, Argentinos Juniors 0, Rosario Central 1, Tacheres 0, Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero 1, Atlético Tucumán 0, Vélez Sarsfield 2, Racing Club 2, Unión de Santa Fe 2, Defensa y Justicia 1, Gimnasia y Esgrima La Plata, nil. San Lorenzo, 1. Banfield, 1. Estudiantes de La Plata, nil. River Plate, 3. Lanús, nil. And Patronato de la Juventud Católica, nil. Boca Juniors, 2. Oh, I said and, but in fact there's one more still left. Uh, and Godoy Cruz, nil. Arsenal Football Club, 2. We're going to re-record um, the... The, the bit that we just skipped because the cat was scraping out her litter tray 
very noisily indeed. If you could hear it underneath me um, reading the scores just now, then I do apologise. But she got really loud just after that, so I've just had to. We just had to take a break to a laugh and b let her finish. Um, Independiente versus Newells is the result I didn't read out. You might have noticed if you've got um, if you're very good at following along. Um, that's because it didn't happen last Thursday night after we recorded. If you listened to the very end. Um, of the theme music and heard my my score announcement after the theme music last week, then you would already know uh, that Independiente got a, well, a 3-3 aggregate draw. They actually lost 3-2 on the night away to Universidad Católica of Ecuador, um, which meant they went through on away goals, to the quarterfinals of the Copa Sudamericana. They were told on Friday morning, as were their opponents, Independiente del Valle, of, also of Ecuador, funnily enough, um, that the first leg of that quarterfinal would be played on Tuesday this week, i.e., as we're recording right now, two days ago, uh, the day after Independiente versus Newells was supposed to take place. This caused a bit of a stink, didn't it? Because the Superliga weren't very pleased with Conmebol. Independiente del Valle really weren't very pleased with Conmebol because they can't afford themselves to charter a flight uh, so they they normally fly to away matches on commercial planes, um, and they didn't have the time to buy tickets. By the time they went to to buy the tickets, by the time Commonwealth had advised them to, they couldn't find any tickets for the whole fl- the, for the whole squad to travel all in one bulk. So the team, the technical team, and the players uh, came down to Buenos Aires on four different flights and split into eight different groups. And just after they they made an announcement uh, because. Of course, from River, there were a complaint, especially from Marcelo Gallardo, because of the dates that were stated for the first and second legs of, of quarterfinals, in mm. which River will play on a Thursday and Boca on, on, on Wednesday, just before they will play for the Super Clásico. This making Boca have one more day uh, to rest. And after that, Colmebol stated that they were these dates were pre-established uh, and, and well, it, the clubs knew that this, this could happen and well, it was there some kind of discussion and then this happens. Yeah, uh, Conmebol have made a big thing recently of saying the leagues and the clubs were all informed of when each round of matches would take place. They were informed of this back in April, uh, which is true, but they were informed the week of the match. They, nobody said, okay, if these teams get all the way through to the, quali- the quarterfinals of the Sudamericana, for instance, and they will kick off at 9.30 on the Tuesday night, you know, Tuesday the 6th of August. Um, they were just told it'll be played in that week if you get through. Um, and I, it was not unreasonable for the Superliga and for Independiente um, to assume that given the rules about having to have... Well, OK, it's, a, it's an AFA rule rather than a Condoval rule, but given the, the long-standing, very long-standing rule about having to have three clear days between matches. Independiente obviously weren't going to play Newell's until Monday night, and therefore it was probably safe to assume that they were next going to play on Thursday night in the in the Sudamericana. Um, so for Commonwealth to turn around and, and do what they did is a bit weird. And what was even weirder then was that Commonwealth subsequently said, um, well, we, we informed the, the football associations and then somebody said, well, the Superliga aren't very happy with you or something. And, and Commonwealth's response was basically, what's the Superliga? Like, they didn't appear to actually know, um, which obviously must be ridiculous. You know, it must be somebody being rhetorical and, and being pissed off and trying to belittle 
the Superliga. But the response of, oh no, we, we don't know what the Superliga is, doesn't look that good. Um, particularly given that everybody in Argentina is already pretty pissed off with Comebol after the whole Copa America um, fallout. And, 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 the then, and then there is this uh, hilarious uh, this thing that, well, Superliga or Argentinian are complaining about this organization when they are not very organized themselves. Uh, but this one thing doesn't mean the other. I mean, uh, if they are a mess, uh, you, it, this doesn't. It doesn't count that the others, their ones also are a mess, or they are too uh, a mess too. It's uh, some oh, exactly. Yeah, two two wrongs don't make a right. Um, I don't know whether you have an equivalent phrase for that in Spanish, but um, that's one that my parents often used to tell me when I yes, it's like uh, it's like saying. Uh, uno es un desastre que uno sea un desastre no hace que el otro sea bueno exactly yeah um, it, it's it, it, it's been interesting anyway and it means that the Superliga after two rounds has already got a couple of asterisks next to it because Independiente and Newells have a game in hand uh, through no real fault of the Superliga for a change um, the matches that did take place at the weekend were I think the ones that I caught at least were better than the first weekend which shouldn't be that much of a surprise I mean everybody's a little bit more match sharp I think we previewed that Vélez against Racing would be a decent match previously that could be a decent match and it was well, it was a very yeah. good match it was uh, uh, Vélez took an early-ish no no they didn't sorry they, they took a 2-0 half time lead which is why I had it in my head that they'd taken an early lead but in fact the two goals came in the last 11 minutes of the first half Nicolas Dominguez and Maxi Romero, the scorers. Um, and when they did that, they looked pretty good value for it. Racing had had a sort of a bit of a spell of dominance in between the two goals, funnily enough. But up until that point, I thought Belis had shaded the first half. And Racing were very, they looked very good in the second half. Yes, in the first half, I think that Belis took, uh, it was like they copied or imitated what Racing did in the most of the matches of, of the Superliga they won because they pressed too high, too high rushing they didn't let them play and the first goal was just magnificent and after that it looked like Vélez would uh, feel comfortable mm. during goal of the match but finally rushing I think that with the you could say that thing that champions have uh, which is to react just in time made them uh, got the equalizer which I think If if the if Belas will have won two one it wouldn't be so wrong even even no. so but uh, the the tie the draw isn't so bad uh, either I, I thought the result the, the the draw was a very fair result yes. if Belas had held on then they would have been they would have done well to do so um, and yeah you could even say a little bit of the luck of the champion because if Ivan Pichud plays for another I mean how long is he, he how long is he into his career now 10 years if he plays for another 10 years he's never again going to manage to have a first touch that good um, yes <laughs> where in, in, that came from English Dan no was idea. watching the match uh, with uh, Nahuel uh, Alexis his, yeah. his son and uh, yes he couldn't believe it uh, uh, it was like a gift because uh, yes he should uh, uh, finishing the, the that play like uh, I would say Uh, the best of the strikers, uh, and yes, it was really incredible. The the two, as you say, Vélez's opener was really good as well. Nicolás Dominguez finished it off uh, after a sweeping length of the pitch counter, and um, and Pichud's equaliser was a it was around about the halfway line, wasn't it? Maybe just inside Vélez's half. Dario Spitanich 
uh, picked the ball up with, with his back to goal, turned and, and hit a lovely pass, which seemed like a lovely pass until you saw that the man running onto it was Iban Pichud, and then you thought, well, he's going to stick this into the top, yes. you know, in, he's going to stick it out the stadium with his first touch. Um, and he brought it down fantastically with one touch and then hammered it into the corner. There were several great assistances yes, mm. in, in, the, in that match. And the first goal of the match, the, the, the opening from Vélez, the, the play was started by Thiago Almada. I don't know whether we, we talked a lot about him or not. Uh, he has these things. He's quite young. He's a kid. But with these things, it's like you justify that uh, Manchester City is looking for him so eagerly. Because mm. uh, uh, as he's young, he's smart and he... Uh, decides sometimes that he decides quite well in in this case the the way he started the play was the opener for the then the 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 assist I think it was uh, well, I don't remember now the the one who made the assist assist to to Dominguez um, but the one who started that was Thiago Almada yeah it was a uh, Tomas Guidara was was oh. the assist the right back yes. which gives you some idea surprise of for for Bellas, uh because he's a right back, but not a conventional one. Because no, he no, plays he's more more uh, inside the the, the the pitch. Not yeah. Um, Vélez Vélez pushed pretty high up the up, up the pitch, and and Heinze, I guess really in keeping with the kind of football that Heinze played as a fullback himself, um, he likes his his, his fullbacks to to get up and support, particularly Guidara getting down the right, Brian Cufre on the left, perhaps a little bit less so because Nico Dominguez and Thiago Almada on the are, are in front of him on the left and provide that much more, but. Um, no, it's it's a really interesting uh, and, and entertaining uh, Belles side to watch. And Racing had to dig deep in the second half. They managed to get the result. Um, and I think it's the kind of reaction that should uh, speak volumes as well after what was a pretty, from what I heard, because as people who listened last week will be aware, I didn't actually catch the Racing's opening match against Union. Uh, but what by all accounts was, was a pretty sort of limp opening let's say uh, on the opening weekend so Racing still haven't won nor have Belles actually they've both drawn both of their matches um, so far but uh, a very entertaining failure to win on both parts but even when there were two draws for Racing uh, taking into account that they are the champions um, it was such an improvement for them uh, after the Dal we will say Dal nil nil hmm. against Union uh, where we, we mentioned them as a serious team in the last season and they are trying to continue that way um, well they could over uh, recover from a 2-0 uh, or conceding two goals against Peles which looked it was impossible to, to, to take over and finally they, they did it so yeah. I think it was an improvement for, for them one team I do think perhaps got a little bit fortunate although they did get their second win in a row in the Superliga um, San Lorenzo who managed a 1-0 away win over Gimnasia wasn't a bad game overall I, I wouldn't say that Gimnasia completely dominated and that San Lorenzo didn't deserve to get anything from it at all um, but to actually win the match not sure that they really looked like doing so until Bruno Piton scored must be his first goal for the club right he's only played like three matches and he's a fullback I, in fact um, I didn't think he played before uh, but uh, I'm not sure Oh, you might, yes, you're right, actually, it might have been his debut. Let me just check very quickly, see whether my app here has got his performances so far. Yeah, it was his first game of the season, at least in the Superliga. Um, and he took advantage of a, a pretty poor clearance um, from, I think it was Marco Tosiglieri. The ball went straight yes. to him and he just smashed it home. Um, 
So that was the only goal of the game. It means that San Lorenzo have won two out of two. But Gimnasia, I've got to say, are looking not actually very good. Uh, they're going to have problems, I think. But for the moment, at least, they're, they're playing some entertaining stuff, even if they're not doing it particularly well. I don't know how they did it in defence, but they, uh, of course, have, have a, a lack or a deficit in the offensive mm. way, as they, of course, we know a lot lost uh, Han Hurtado um, who is now at Boca yes of course yeah uh, joining San Lorenzo atop the table on six points from two matches are uh, Rosario Central mm. uh, who beat Tacheres 1-0 um, in a fairly meh kind of game really uh, Tacheres I think I said last week Tacheres don't look awfully also, it seems that lo- lost uh, important players, Ramirez, that are, are not are he's not San Lorenzo uh, or independent. I I missed, mm. uh, I confused about the team he went he 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 signed for, um, but in fact he 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 missed he uh, left Tacheres as well as Junior Arias, who is now at Banfield, the quite similar player at least physically to Santiago Silva. Uh, Santiago Silva uh, left Banfield uh, and Junior Arias is now at Banfield I can't remember Ramirez's first name I tried to I thought it was Jonathan but it no really I think isn't. it's Juan Ramirez not ah Juan Ramirez ok yes. let's, uh, let's quickly yes. replace this on us with a U and let's see Juan Ramirez is is English Wikipedia according to Google says he's still playing for Tacheres but I don't oh. think that's right uh, he is with San Lorenzo, oh, yes. well remembered. Um, but yeah, they they didn't get anything on target, essentially, Tacheres. Um, Central didn't have to do an awful lot. They they had to hang in there a bit before the goal came. It, it only came with 13 minutes to go. Um, but that was about that. And the other team, who've won two from two at the beginning of the season, rather more surprisingly, and I haven't caught either of their games because they've both been on Monday night while I've been at the pub, um, uh, Arsenal de Sarandi. Well, it's not strange for me, as I said uh, uh, in the pre- uh, preview episode for for Superliga, that uh, Arsenal will be in the list of teams that will fight not to be relegated. Mm. So that they are leaders is not strange for me. No, uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it, well, it's only two two rounds so far, but. Uh, Yes, but a, a two 0 win away to Godoy Cruz as well, and they didn't just like it wasn't smash and grab. They didn't get lucky. They, I mean, looking at the numbers, they dominated uh, Godoy Cruz. Um, I think Godoy Cruz are are, are quite uh, well. I won't say crap, but they are awful since they were eliminated and from Copacabana's, and they started also not very good the, the Superliga. They are yeah. uh, they are uh, through a period in which they will we will say transition or something like that because it's like uh, Moro Garcia is quite uh, alone there. Well, they have this Uruguayan that uh, perhaps he's promising, but still uh, has to demonstrate. Like Marentiel is the mm-hmm. Uruguayan Miguel Marentiel. Uh, I, I I mean in the defensive, and uh, yes, I think they will. They are suffering this moment. Yeah, and also, I mean, as I, as I said last week after talking about the Libertadores exit, Garcia is, is their oldest outfield player. I mean, in the Libertadores game, he was the oldest outfield player by a clear four years, and he's only 28. Um, so it, it's a very, very young squad, uh, yes. which is going to 
you know, if, if they don't start off well, then you can see the confidence perhaps collapsing. But they've got some talent. They've still got Juan Andrade in the middle of the pitch, Kevin Gutierrez, um, Tomas Cardona uh, at, at, at the back. So if they can get over this hump and, and sort of gain in a little bit of confidence, they can certainly improve. But Arsenal, um, I'm going to have to try and make more of an effort to catch their match when the league reconvenes, not this weekend, but next weekend, um, because they, by all accounts, have been better than we were expecting yes. and uh, have seemed to have looked particularly strong down the left-hand side. We could say that Godicruz were worse than we expected and Arsenal better than we expected. Yeah. As Godicruz, I think that, um, uh, yes, it looks like the first goal that they, they concede is just definite for them and they can't get back. Just the opposite to Racing, for example. Yeah, indeed. Um, a team who so those are the three teams who currently uh, lead the league. If, if leading the league actually means anything after two matches, Arsenal, San Lorenzo, Rosario Central. Um, the next team down, we're going to start with our sort of big five. Um, quick, go around the big five now because the next two teams down are in fact two of the other big five, other than San Lorenzo. We've already covered Racing, of course. Um, one of them is Riber who got a 3-0 win over Lanús. And I think it would be fair to say that if you didn't catch that match, then to get an idea of how dominant uh, River were, it would not be unfair to say that Agustin Rossi was, was man, of, man the of the match. And in case you are not aware, Agustin Rossi is Lanús's goalkeeper. Uh, he saved a rather cheeky and arrogant and above all pretty poorly taken penalty from Nicolas de la Cruz um, by that point however uh, River were already 2-0 up and Rafael Santos Borre had already scored one penalty to put them 1-0 up Matias Suarez got the second and then a bit later on uh, the third in between um, in fact even Luis Subeldia the Lanús manager at the end of the game admitted in his press conference afterwards Uh, that it could easily have ended in a thrashing if Rossi hadn't been on form. Rossi made a, a, I can think of a couple of really good saves, one in the first half, one in the second from Ignacio Fernandez. He saved that penalty. Another um, header from Matias Suarez. Yeah, he, there was that. And he came out, I think I think it might have still been nil-nil when he came out at one point to close down a chance and just prevent a shot going in. Um, it is not an exaggeration to say that River could have won six or seven nil had Rossi not, yes. not had such a good game. Um, Surprisingly comfortable I was shocked match Yeah I mean I was I was really surprised By how poor Lanus looked I mean obviously You make River oh, I say obviously I, I thought River Were going to win that match I've I've been going over Last last week's Mystic Sam predictions um, Jimmy went for a draw I think in that In that one um, So it's perhaps not obvious But you know I, I made River the favourites well, I didn't expect them To win that comfortably Nicolas Paschini A Lanus player Had said before The match that they were champions in that stadium, which is right, because they won, they won against San Lorenzo. They, defeated, they being Lanús. Yes. Yeah. They defeated San Lorenzo uh, in the final in the 2016, was that? Uh, it was. 20, yes, it was 2016, yeah. Yes. Uh, so he was right, but in this time, this time was another rival even in the same stadium. Uh, and yes, we were... Uh, were just when, when we said, or you said in the last episode that Uh, River is not focused enough in the, in the Superliga and Paul Gachardo is responsible. <laughs> But I also said in response to one of our listeners' questions last week that the goals were going to come for River at some point. Um, and, and they did, yes. <laughs> in my defence. Um, so yeah, River dominant against Lanús. Lanús, surprisingly uh, poor. Lanús can only improve from there. 
I think they're going to be strong at home. Um, away from home, they're going to have to, to pick up after this. And the other uh, game, level on points with River, with four points in fifth place, just behind on goal difference, are Boca Juniors, um, who this game was right after the River game, and it looked as if it was going to get even uglier in terms of scoreline and performance, um, because after 15 minutes, Boca were already 2-0 up. Frank Fabra, the left-back, Boca's reserve left-back, remember, uh, in fact, Boca largely played with a mostly a second string eleven. Um, had two assists by that point uh, because Eduardo Salvio had scored his second goal in three Boca appearances, coming in off the right and on his first start as well to put them one nil up. And then Carlos Debes scored a second when Fabra picked him out wonderfully at the far. I was about to say lovelily, which isn't actually a word, at the far post um, and hammered home. And then Boca kind of just went off the boil. A little bit after that. It was a really intense, high-quality start, I thought. And then after 15 minutes, they were, I mean, OK, you're 2-0 up against a team of Patronato's yeah, quality. Relaxed. It's not as if you really need to uh, keep your foot on their throats particularly. You can keep them at arm's length to an extent. Um, but they might have come back into it, Patronato. They had chances, especially yes. in the second half, um, to, to get back into the game. Mm. And yet it didn't yes. end up happening. And, and Boca didn't seem that bothered about pressing home the advantage anymore either. Yes, and without being the man of the match, you mentioned, or well, because it was like that, that the former Boca goalkeeper, Tim Rossi, was the man of the match in Lanús, hmm. for Lanús, against River, and in this case, Andrada also did great saves, not being so decisive, yeah. but he was also great there. Although, uh, it's only fair that we also mentioned that Matias Ibanez in the Patronato goal uh, didn't have an awful lot to do himself really well I think he could have done more uh, in the first goal against Salvio yes against uh, Salvio to cut out the first one definitely um, Tevez says he didn't really have very much of a, a chance for Tevez looked we had a question fresh. about this a bit yes. later but he, he looks I don't know what he's been doing over the winter break younger than he is yes yeah um, considering how terrible he's been for really what the last two or three years he's now, clearly uh, you mentioned more motivated. you said Fabra is, is in the reserves Mm. Back, uh, uh, left back of the reserves and I think Tevez right now is we could consider him also as a striker yeah. uh, in the reserves he's, he's, he's still got the number 10 shirt for Boca um, but it's, it was a, as I said it was, it was largely a second string 11 you've got Esteban Andrade in goal Paulo Goltz and Carlos Izquierdos as the centre-back pairing and apart from that um, you know Eduardo Salvio clearly is, is getting some game time in order to probably be in and around the starting 11 um, once he's fully fit. But, you know, the fullbacks, Julio Bufarini and Frank Fabra, who's been out of the team for a while. Uh, the other midfielders, other than Salvio, Jorman Campuzano, Ivan Marcone, Agustino Bando, who's a youngster coming into the first-team squad. And then Tevez just behind Han Hurtado up front. It That's clearly, largely speaking, Boca's second-string side. Um, even though there were a couple of numbers, but I mean, could be the first one of I, any other team. Of indeed, course. yeah, exactly. And I think the Fabra actually could force his way back in if he can come up with a few performances along those lines. He he, he could, and if he could stay fit, um, I think there's no reason that he can't continue to be or, or be back to being Boca's first choice left back. Um, but Tevez, it, it's kind of weird because I would have thought, given what we've seen him in for the last few years, that now that it is very obvious that Mauro Sarate is the first choice second striker for Boca. Tevez might have just thought, well, okay, that's that's me. I'm going to be second string player. I'm not going to bother. But he's clearly 
still pretty motivated, even if he knows that he's not going so to force Saturday out of the first choice enough side. To, enough to make Alfaro doubt? Or, or? I doubt it. Because I, I think, apart from anything else, I think the age. And, and Saturday is also playing at, at, at a pretty high level at the moment as well. Um, but it's, it's an interesting one. I wonder whether the captain's armband has done something as well, because he, Tevez captained the side uh, at the weekend. And it looks as if when Boca play a largely reserved lineup in order to you know, either rest players for an upcoming Libertadores game or because the Libertadores game has just happened, as, as was the case this weekend, um, it looks as if Tevez is going to be the captain of that team. So it, it's an interesting one. I mean, obviously, Tevez is still going to be in the first team squad. He's going to be sitting on the bench more often than not when the first team play their, their matches. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see because I haven't seen him looking this... Motivated and hungry. If he, if he takes it possibly in a positive way, like he did the other day, because of course uh, the things he says, he says he say is not uh, important for the matches, as we have to of course uh, analyze how he plays matches, not how he declares. But uh, when Menedetto was in the point of leaving Boca, finally he left, and he's now at Olympique Marseille. Uh, by the way. Supporters of Olympic Marseille. There was a poll in which Olympic uh, asked the, the, the supporters whether uh, Benedetto was the striker they were expecting for, and they said no, he isn't. <laughs> uh, well, in, uh, by the way, uh, apart from that, Tevez, when when Benedetto was out, about to leave, he said it's strange because before this, uh, some time ago, players were would die for to play for Boca, mm. and now they they want to leave. When he says things like the, like that, uh, of course it's not good for Boca. But when he plays like he played against Patronato, things are different, of course. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and obviously it's only Patronato. Um, but the the motivation that, that he showed, I think, is is promising for Boca fans. Uh, that concludes our Big Five roundup, of course, because as we explained a few minutes ago, Independiente didn't play at the weekend. Um, but the next two teams down from River and Boca in the league at the moment, also on four points each from two games, and therefore also as yet unbeaten, um, are Huracan and Union. Huracan um, got a 2-0 win over Colón. I don't know how much of this one you've caught, Andres. I couldn't, at all. I couldn't catch. It, was, it seems to have been pretty bad-tempered, particularly late on. Both sides had a man sent off. Um, Maro Bogado for Huracan for a handball with eight minutes to go. Um, and then Cristian Bernardi. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but violent conduct... Right after Huracan scored their second goal in the ninety-third minute, I watched the the, the summary summaries after the match, and uh, apparently he threw the ball away or threw a ball into the for to a, to a rival uh, or something like that, or he complained after the foul, and then he uh, made this silly action. Hmm. Um, but I think Colón may have thought, of course, for uh, on. So Americana uh, match they 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 lost just before we we started recording. Yes, they did, didn't they? They have just lost away to Zulia in Venezuela. Uh, it's before we started recording because any matches now played in Venezuela for this year's uh, continental championships are being played in the afternoon in Venezuela. In case of any power cuts, after uh, you might remember back in the Libertadores group stage, was it Flamengo or in the same group as? Of as Caracas, and it had to be played twenty-four. Well, oh, not twenty-four yes. hours later, but 
had to be played the day after it was originally scheduled because it happened to be the day of that massive power power cut that affected the whole country. Um, so they're now playing in, in broad daylight. Uh, so Colón lost 1-0 thanks to a late goal um, for Sulia from Abel Casquete, who we were talking about before the game because Andres came in before we recorded, sorry, because Andres came in just as the game was finishing and saw the name and remembered that uh, Casquete had been at River um, for, in fact, I think he went through all of River's youth teams, didn't he? Uh, and then ended yes, up and, not quite making the cut. At, at played a couple of matches uh, in the first division, uh, first team, but uh, wasn't uh, quite good. And then he injured and he came back, wasn't easy for him and he finally left. Yeah, um, but Huracan... Fairly comfortable winners over Colón. I'm just having a look at the Colón lineup now, and it looks to me as if it was rotated about as much as Colón can manage. They've not got a particularly big squad, um, but it doesn't look entirely full strength, although Luis Rodriguez was, was up front and, and the defence looks more or less um, full strength. Huracana um, looking, I think, quietly decent, but perhaps haven't really... Uh, had oh they drew with Boca in fact in the Bombonera yes. on the first weekend I was about to say they haven't had any real tests yet but visiting the Bombonera is <laughs> probably counts as a test uh, they've got Patronato away in just over a week's time when the league reconvenes so that could be interesting but at the moment I think they're they're sort of looking like a side they're probably not going to challenge for the title but but they're going to get some some decent results I think they should be closer to the top of the table than the bottom come the end of it um, and the other team who are on four points are Union de Santa Fe who got a 2-1 win over Defensa y Justicia on... Was this the Sunday morning kickoff? Yes, I it think. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. You could almost say they won it on Sunday morning because all of the goals came in the first half um, and therefore before 12 o'clock it, it kicked off at 11am. Um, it, it was fairly comfortable from what I saw afterwards. I didn't watch it live, but I, I caught bits of it afterwards. Um, Union's main problem was that they could have won by quite a bit more if they got more shots on target. Because shots on target-wise, Union had three and Defensa Justicia had two. But in terms of total shots, on or off target, Union had 22 to Defensa Justicia's 11. Wow. So if nothing else, the ratio, 2-1, is exactly correct for the shot count. Must have been um, uh, but a lot Union of... could have easily scored a lot more goals. Might, might have been a lot of uh, long-distance long shots because 22 is... Uh, it's... Not that easy to get into the box 22 times. No, and it does also imply that there were 19 shots off target. Um, and uh, My mistake, in fact, the goals didn't all come in the first half. Uh, Defensa Justicia equalised very shortly after half-time, and then Shemar Gomez, Gomez Andrade um, got what proved to be the winner 11 minutes into the second half. Um, so, in fact, those were in the afternoon. So, apologies, Union fans. Um, but, yeah, Defensa Justicia still look like they're struggling to... Uh, adapt to life after Sebastián Becasese, who of course beat them in the opening uh, weekend with, with Independiente. Um, in spite of what SofaScore says, I've just gone down to their lineup and SofaScore still has Sebastián Becasese as Defensa Justicia coach, which he definitely isn't, just in case we've got any fellow SofaScore listeners, uh, SofaScore users listening. Um, I don't think they're going to provide us with another title challenge this season, it's fair to it's, say. It's incredible because now it's Independiente who are winning matches just uh, in the end of, in the end with him uh, and now it's Defensa Justicia losing without him. It's clearly something to do with the manager, isn't it? Those late winners. Um, it's remarkable. Um, elsewhere, we had a question last week about how long can Hernán Crespo last at Banfield? 
Well, they won. They managed a 1-0 win over Estudiantes. Uh, it was a somewhat fortunate one, perhaps, although it was a very even game, really, yes. overall. The only goal of it um, came from Nicolas Bertolo on the stroke of half-time. That was after Jesus Datolo, I believe, had had a penalty saved, if I remember rightly. Um, it, it, it was the only goal of, of what was, again, both sides also really struggled to get shots on target. Also on penalty. Oh, was, it, was it a penalty? Yes. Yes, you're right, it was, wasn't it? Yes, of course. Yes. I've forgotten about that. Thank you. Yeah. No, um, but both sides were just... The shooting was all over the place, again. Um, but Estudiantes... Mm, it's a quiet beginning to the season for them, but Banfield having got off the mark, and I'm sure Crespo's going to be very relieved. Well, he has one right. of his best players playing for the Pan American games for Argentina, Ursi, Austin Ursi. Mm. Uh, of course, he's not. Uh, he, he himself can't win the matches, but he was one of the clearly, clearly one of the best appearances in the uh, for Banfield in the last times. And he, he was he was linked with River Boca a lot of of, of teams, uh, and the way Crespo we mentioned him in the last episode, the way Crespo celebrated after the match ended proves that well I don't know whether he will have resigned if they had lost, but that it was very important for him to win that match, if especially even matches in which are defined by details. Of yeah, course. indeed. Um, Banfield have got two victories. In their last nine matches, this is going back to the Superliga and the Copa de la Superliga last season, um, and those two victories both came against the Estudiantes. Um, they lost to Atlético Tucumán, lost to Defensa Justicia, lost to Godoy Cruz, lost to uh, sorry, drew with Godoy Cruz, lost to Boca, drew with Newells, beat Estudiantes in the first leg of their Copa Superliga um, tie one nil, and then lost two nil to them in the second leg therefore going out the Copa de la Superliga, and then obviously lost to Arsenal on the opening day of this season, uh, the Superliga season, and have just beaten Estudiantes again. So if Banfield could play every game against Estudiantes, then they stand a significantly better chance, perhaps, um, of getting results. But what Crespo needs to do, really, um, is continue this form through. They're playing Argentinos away next next Friday, I think it is. Um and he could do with, with getting some results against teams who are not from the red and white half of La Plata. Oh, speaking of which, by the way, we've had questions in the past, not this week, about Estudiantes Stadium. And I was reading about it last week because it's going to be open now in less than 100 days. Oh, so it's, uh, before it was... Uh, uh, well, when we, we mentioned Verón announcing it will be uh, least for November. Yes, Indeed. Oh, sorry. It might be just more than a hundred days. I might be getting. Oh, yes, it, I, might, I, I might be getting it confused with the de- with the Brexit deadline. But it's around yeah. that time. Well, one hundred days is normal. Yes, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently it's going to be the first stadium in the world which is going to be entirely self-powering. It, it, it's going to be on entirely fully sustainable energy, and they're oh. going to be collecting the rainwater to. I mean, I, I think most stadiums actually connect runoff rainwater to then subsequently put on the pitch. But they're going to have solar panels on the roofs of the. Um, of, of the executive stands to power all of that stuff. Apparently, it, it looks quite nice. Um, yes. If I actually got paid to to go down and write stuff uh, by anybody, I'm, I'd, I'd be really tempted to go down to La Plata and write something about the stadium because it looks lovely. Um, but yeah, that's that's the latest on that. They, they're not going to have finished 
the bits on the corners opposite the stands that those are going to be filled in in the next few years if they can get financing for it and if any sponsors want to put up money to help them. Um, but that is the latest on Estudiantes Stadium, which looks rather better than Estudiantes football team does at the moment, in my opinion. Um, other results that are jumping out at me, I can't really see any. Aldo Cibi Argentinos, nil-nil. God, do we really want to talk about that at all? The answer is no. Um, although I will say that Argentinos were fortunate, or unfortunate, sorry, um, to have only drawn that match. They really were by far the better team, at least on the quite large section of the second half that I managed to catch. That is something that is so often for teams like that, that they play great matches against the big teams and in the following match they can't repeat because they it looks like they focused so much in that first match or previous one that against then, River yeah yes um, yeah yeah absolutely it, it was it was bizarre but then they still dominated against Aldo Civi it, it wasn't that they switched off it was just that they couldn't seem to the concentration maybe wasn't quite okay so in the way they did switch off but it wasn't for lack of it wasn't that their play deserted them or anything it was just that, that little bit of steel in the, in the last third Um, and well done to Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero, who claimed their first top flight victory in... They were up in like 1976 or something, right? So 43 years or something like that. Um, Nicolás Femia got the only goal of the game after three minutes. Um, it was pretty bog standard, if I remember rightly. It was a tap-in from a, a left-wing cross, right, from Marcelo Meli or something like that. But there it was there was a sunny... A sunny, sorry. Yes, it was sunny, but it was mm. a funny situation because of the sun. Who oh, of course, that yes, that was it. Sorry, it was from the right... Yes. Yeah, now I remembered it, thank you. Yeah. Go on, yeah, no, explain it, it though. The sun disturbed, yeah. disturbed the, the vision uh, of um, Lucchetti, Christian Lucchetti, mm. the, the goalkeeper of Atletico Tucumán, who couldn't see the ball coming. And yeah, they... A couple of minutes after the goal, actually, they, they showed a replay from a camera that was right in the goal net behind Lucchetti. Um, and it was difficult not to feel sorry for him because, obviously, it's winter here in Argentina as well. So the sun is very low um, in the sky and it was shining directly into his face. Uh, and, well, Central Cordoba made it count. And after that, he was provided with the cup. <laughs> But it was late, of course. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, even after that, however, Central Cordoba was still, I thought, much the better side um, overall they, they you know the goal came early on but then they justified it afterwards um, because even needing a goal to get a result Atletico Tucumán didn't really seem to be able to do very much they were surprisingly poor yes. um, considering that I would have made them favourites did I make them favourites did I predict I did indeed predict them to win um, so it was it was an odd one it, it was it was surprising Um Anyway, well done Central Cordoba. Welcome back to the top flight. Welcome to the Superliga for the first time and welcome back to the top flight of Argentine football for the first time in a long time and congratulations on your first win back in it. Um, I think we've covered pretty much everything there, actually. We've inadvertently gone through just about every result in at least some detail. Yeah, we have. Yes. So on that note, we're going to take a half-time break and when we come back, we will talk a little bit about maybe the Pan American Games and a little bit about transfers because obviously the Premier League transfer window I think is either about to slam shut as we talk or has slammed shut it's um, two minutes past eight right now on Thursday night which means it's two minutes past midnight Friday morning in the UK as we talk obviously by the time this goes online it'll be long past um, so we'll talk a little bit about Giovanni Lo Celso and some others um, and we'll answer some listeners questions don't go away
Welcome back. Um, what did I say we were going to talk about? Oh, right, Pan American Games, first of all. Uh, very short, this one, because... Uh, well, actually, okay, Andres, have you caught any of the, the matches in well, the Pan American Games football tournament? No, I know only the, the, the result that they defeat Uruguay, Finland, they are now playing the final against Honduras. That's the men. Um, yeah. The women defeated, I think it was Paraguay, also 3-0, I think I'm right in saying. Um, and are going to play the final against Costa Rica, I think. I think that's on Friday night. I'm not sure when the men's final is. Um, I think on, on Sunday also. Sunday. Okay, yes. cool. Um, so, Argentina are guaranteed two medals in the Pan American Games uh, football tournaments, at least a silver in each, which is fantastic. And obviously for the women's side especially, it's historic and, and it keeps up a very, very good uh, 2019 indeed. Um, so well done. And I did manage to catch most of one of the women's games in the group stage. I couldn't also, but at least for the what I watched or what I know for the lineup of Argentina and Uruguay, looked like Uruguay didn't uh, carry their best, of course, men. Mm. Uh, taking into account the, the Sudamericano that they played before uh, in Chile. And Argentina also has. Perhaps Adolfo Gaich as the most known player there, and Anursi, the one I mentioned for Banfield, um, and then some some uh, and Medina from Tacheres. Or I think he's still at Tacheres, the, the the center back. And then there aren't very much very uh, much known players. Take because of course the the, the clubs didn't uh, want him want them to go there uh, to the Pan American Games. But that's perhaps the most uh, mo- the, the things I know about the, the team. Not I, I couldn't catch up for the match against Uruguay. No, indeed. I, I've not managed to catch any of the men's games, partly because it, I, I don't really keep up with when they're on. Um, the women's games, I, I saw a couple of tweets saying, it's about to kick off or it's kicking off at this time, so I made a bit more of an effort. Um, but even then it becomes difficult because there are, the two channels are showing it here, TV Publica, the public television station, and Teise Sports, um, and both of them have this habit of showing mostly the football, but then they'll flick back and forth between the football and various other events going on with the Pan American um, Games as Argentine competitors uh, come in or as they get the opportunity to interview one of them after they've performed or whatever, um, which makes it a bit difficult to follow the game. But I would assume that the football finals are going to be shown like properly and as I said I believe the women's game is tomorrow night at something like half past ten so I might be home from the pub in time to catch it yes, if I go be. early um, so good luck to both of them um, that's the Pan American stuff largely sorted transfer market then the Premier League uh, well the English transfer window uh, really including the lower divisions I believe at least including the championship um, closes or closed more or less as we're speaking. As I said just before the break, it's just after midnight in the UK right now. Um, and the biggest news of the day is probably Giovanni Lo Celso um, going to Tottenham Hotspur on loan from Real Betis with an option to buy. What do you think of it, Andres? Was it on loan? And they are like... Uh... Officially, it's a, according to the Betty website, it's a loan with an option to buy later in the season, which Tottenham will obviously oh. almost definitely take advantage uh, of. I, th- I thought that they had the, what, uh, what, uh, a percentage of the transfer 
and then they had to buy other parts. Yeah, I was getting confused about it as well because it was it was reported a load of different ways, and um, I was asked to uh, give an opinion about it on on the BBC earlier. Great lifetime ambition, um, which uh, which was achieved earlier today. Uh, not that I'm you know boasting about it or anything. Uh, and before doing that, I actually did some research for a change, uh, and um, the Real Betis website reported it as a loan oh. for 15 million euros with an option to buy for a further 60. 40, I think it was. So it could, uh, or, or it might be 50. 60 million euros or not? Uh, it's going to be a total of something around 55 or 65 oh. million, yeah. Uh, which is just below what his buyout clause was. So Tottenham have, have got a good deal there, although, of course, he's missed most of the pre-season, which he could have been spending with Pochettino's boys and hasn't. Um, but I think it's, it's interesting. As I said on Twitter yesterday, it, it's kind of, it would be really exciting for the Argentine national team to have... Lochelso and Lamela training together week in, week out in the midfield. If and it weren't for the fact that Lamela can't stay fit for two weeks in a row. And Eriksen, or is he living? Well, it, uh, at the moment, it looks like he's not, but oh. that's all up in the air for the next few hours, or, or potentially the next few weeks, obviously, because a, a, a non English side could sign him even though the transfer window in England is closed now. Um, but that's less in- interesting for the Argentine national team because Eriksen doesn't play for them. But, um, you know, we've talked so, so often about how useful it can be for European sides to have their players training together at club level a lot. It'd be really good for two Argentine midfielders, especially, to be to be training together if it weren't for the fact, as I say, that Lamela and just doesn't seem to be able to stay fit. Being transferred to Tottenham with... Or Tottenham. Well, it's hard for me to pronounce... Tottenham. Tottenham. Just call them Spurs. That's fine as yes. well. Uh, well, there. Uh, means Pochettino, of course, uh, might have had something to do with it. Yeah, as he's also Argentine, of course, uh, and he showed interesting things for national teams. Uh, even so, I didn't expect for him to to move, which is, I think, is a great move for him. Uh, not 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 to the, to not because I don't like Betis, but Tottenham, uh, I think, is the well the actual runner-ups of the Champions League, and, and they are all the time uh, fighting for. The title in, in in the Premier League hard for them to get the title, but uh, being in the first yeah they're position. ambitious they're upwardly mobile um, and you know I've, I've I've made the point several times especially this year that Argentina don't have any midfielders operating in an, an elite European club if Lo Celso can hold down a first team place then then they might have now um, there's a little bit of me that's a bit reserved and thinks oh it would have been nice to see him stay at Betis for another season because I think that he's um, He's not, he's not quite settled anywhere since going to Europe yet, and I think he could benefit from settling somewhere. You know, he had two years at Paris Saint-Germain, during which the first season, I think I was looking it up earlier, obviously, as I said, um, he played something like seven or eight league matches that first season, and then he became a bit of a fixture yeah. in a much deeper position um, during his second season than he's used to. And then he went to Betis and instantly became a fixture there, but one season at Betis, now he's moving on again. Um, so hopefully... And bear in mind, you know, I'm, I'm saying this is a non-Tottenham fan, but from Argentina's point of view, from his point of view, hopefully Tottenham is, is where he can now settle down and last more than a season in the first team and, and, and stay there. Obviously, if in 12 months' time I'm talking about him having had a fantastic season for Tottenham and then deciding he wants to play for Man United instead, I won't complain well, at all. Um, but please, in the, in the same, same country, because, yes, it's like Paris, then Seville, and now it's London. It's 
One one important thing, though, in those terms is I think it's unlikely that Spurs are going to want to play him as a holding midfielder in the way that PSG tried to, uh, particularly in those big games in the Champions League. I can't remember who the opponents were, but do you remember, like a year and a half ago, tail end of the 2017-18 Champions League, they went out and, and he was played at holding midfield. He was played in holding midfield rather than, rather than yes. up front. I mean, one of the things that, that I was really struck by last season at Betis was the number of goals he'd added to his game. Prior to that, he'd been, I mean, for Central, he was like a one goal every 20 games player or something. He played about 60 games for them. He scored three times for them. At PSG, he upped it to about one every nine games or so, more or less. Um, and last season, he got one in three. He scored uh, 16 goals in exactly 45 appearances, if I remember rightly, in all competitions. Um so it, it, that's a big side of his game. He's playing much, much further forward. I had a look at some of the heat maps as well for, for Betis games last season um, very quickly. And a lot of the time, he was the furthest forward player, even though he was nominally starting in midfield. Um, so I think that, that that fits in fantastically with Pochettino's um, style of football. And I think it could be really exciting. It could have been really interesting if Paolo Dybala had signed for Spurs as well. But he's not, is he? He's no. staying with Juventus. No, yes, that seems yes. to be the, the consensus now. Um What's going to happen to him at Juventus, though? Do you, have, have you been paying any attention to Well, it was said Icardi could go there and, and Dybala, of course, leave Juventus, leave that spot for uh, Icardi and uh, Leo and, and, and sign for Tottenham. Tottenham. Uh, but that, that won't happen, apparently. And it's strange for Icardi as from one of the best strikers in the world and, 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 and consider him for national team to perhaps can't being, being, being not able to play in the, for the rest of the year. It's really weird. It is. I mean, he seems to have been superseded in Inter's team by Lautaro Martinez, um, particularly towards the second half of last season. And obviously there was the whole business last season with, with him not playing at all like for all of the running. Um, and how he was in uh, conflict with the club. And I have to admit, partly because we didn't actually get any questions about it um, at the end of last season, but I, I remained fairly hazy on the details. I wasn't really sure, mostly because there's so much Argentine football to watch that I don't focus that much on Serie A. Um, but what was... Can, can you explain to me, Andres, why exactly Icardi was, wasn't playing for Inter? Well, there was there was a, a kind of fight between Juan Danara, the the wife and also manager of Icardi or agent. Mm-hmm. Juan Danara thought that if she pressed that if she pressed ha- too hard, uh, Inter board members would get any benefits for for more Icardi. This didn't happen. Just the other way, uh, just the opposite. Right. Uh, the 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 board members were so so annoyed that. Well, they it, it ended in a, in a in a very bad uh, argument, and now Icardi is separated from, apart from that board members and directors uh, uh, issue. Uh, Antonio Conte, the the, the coach, his uh, that is right now at Inter, didn't want him in the team, uh, which made the combination not very good for him, and now he's suffering and he could probably, as I said, be out of the team and. and, and well, it's strange for, for, for a player like him to be out for four or five months. 
but uh, if he doesn't find any other club, which apparently won't be Juventus, it could happen. Yeah, I, 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 I've just googled his name really quickly to see whether I can uh, see anything on it. But well, one that I wanted, of I'm course. sure I saw him link with like Real Madrid or something very, very briefly a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, today Inter have, have brought in Romelu Lukaku from Man United to replace. Icardi, and given that Martinez is already there as well, you'd think, okay, if they're going to play two up front, then it'll be those two. If they're going to play a centre forward and a second striker, then it's going to be Lukaku up and Lautaro just off him. So Icardi is now completely frozen out of the first team, and he's looking at basically not playing at all until January. Obviously, he's still going to be earning a lot of money while not playing at all. Well, at least he won't be able to play in any team in the the Premier League, because the 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 transfer window you have just Indeed, said yeah yeah the registration window is closing yeah um, yes uh, the money or the the ambitions the mission of of, of uh, the wife of Moricardi who wanted more money for him or or to renew the contract we of course better better higher higher wages and now it's uh, well we have a, 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 an expression in Argentina which is lo barato sale caro cheap things end up being expensive in this case it's the other way I think indeed too, too yeah, much ambition yeah. Uh, and yeah no, uh, I'm looking at a couple of headlines now I've no idea how uh, reliable they are but there's one suggesting that Roma might be coming in for him uh, there's another suggesting that Inter will allow Icardi to join Juventus in return for 75 million euros or Paolo Dybala so we're back with Dybala again uh, he's not going to play for Man United he's not going to play for Tottenham Mighty move from Juventus to uh, to Inter. Um, we'll have to see. I, I don't understand why Conte would be so eager to get rid of Dybala. I've got to say, I know he didn't have a brilliant season. It might year, have been a combination between the, the the directors and apart from that, he might say, "Well, we want we can we can sign another uh, striker with similar conditions, like Lukaku, who is really similar." Mm. Quite similar to, to him in the power of, sco- of scoring, not with the history. History, of course. Icardi uh, has been playing for Inter what, for five years so far. Uh, yeah, it's six. got to be around that, hasn't it? it? Was five years ago? That'd be twenty fourteen. So maybe four or five years. Yeah. Which is, of course, uh, not. I've just realised I can get his Wikipedia up with a single but... click because I've got him on Google at the moment. So let's see how long he's been at Inter. He has been at Inter for uh, oh wow six years. Yeah, twenty thirteen he joined them. 111 goals in 188 appearances. That's a hell of a record. Yes, you don't get rid of a player like that uh, so simple. No, exactly. It? Um, it, it's, it, it's strange all round. I mean, I don't fully get why... As I said, Dybala didn't have a great season last season, but Juventus' attack had been completely remodelled to fit around Cristiano Ronaldo. I think if, if Juve end up having to put up with still having Paolo Dybala in their side this season... I suspect he'll be much better than he was last season um, now that he's had some time to adapt and if you're confused by this by the way because if you're a regular listener then you'll know that I haven't exactly been flattering about Paolo Dybala for the national side um, I will just point out that I've never doubted him for club le- at club level if, if he'd ended up signing for Man United a couple of a couple of weeks ago I'd have been delighted um, it's, it's only for Argentina that, that I, I've not always been convinced by him but again he seemed to be much more impressive towards the latter end of the Copa America uh, this year but yeah I mean Icardi it, it's utterly bizarre I'm not sure that I would be happy for one of my teams as it were to sign him even at this stage because the attitude clearly isn't there yes if, a if bit he like silly, there, silly, silly behaviour 
Yeah. Uh, you you get out or you are not being taken uh, into consideration for the World Cup, which is or well, in this case Copa America also uh, for the national team. You will be or in the case of if I were Icardi, I will be quite very upset and I don't know whether he's like that. He's mm. he posts posts a lot of. Uh, photographs in, in social media and and he uh, goes on vacation and, and, and enjoys a lot. Like oh, sure, yeah, but I mean, all footballers do and, that. And, and, and yes, and, and it's. I, I don't have a problem with that, but it's this whole not wanting to be there thing. It's the same thing as, okay, I know a lot of Man United fans don't particularly rate Romelu Lukaku. I personally, I, I don't have any problem with him. I'm quite a fan of him. I'm sorry to see him go. The only reason that I'm not that sorry to see him go, is that, by all accounts, he really didn't want to be playing for Man United anymore. Um, and so in that case, okay, if you've got a player who's just not up for it, who is skipping training in order to try to force through a move, then yeah, to, let them go. Because similar to Machada that left River mm. only as a free free agent when uh, when his contract was about to expire. expire and, and well, perhaps the directors uh, didn't offer him the best contract on planet Earth, but uh, he wanted to leave. Uh, that's my opinion. And you want, if there is a player that wants to leave, uh, you you might you must uh, uh, leave him because uh, uh, he won't do, do his best for the team. And that's something that all of the players, especially in Argentina, uh, says one and once and again and again that they do the best for the team. Yeah. One uh, day there are. Uh, in playing when they play for a team, and in the case of Machado, he wanted to leave. Perhaps similar case to the Lukaku's. One. Yeah, it, it obviously varies as well. You know, from player to player, some players will knuckle down and, and carry on playing well, even when they don't particularly want to be there. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's one of those. Um, I, we're just looking through the, this list of Argentines involved in the transfer market. I wanted to talk about the European based ones, really, and I think we've mostly mentioned the very biggest names. Um, looking down this list now, I can just see a bunch of, I mean, in a lot of cases, players that we've never heard of even, um, but certainly players who aren't exactly going to be lighting up the transfer market. Cristian Romero has gone from Juventus to Genoa, apparently. Oh. That could be, um, that's a loan though, right? Because they just signed him, haven't they? Juventus had just signed Cristian Romero from Genoa, and now they're loaning him back to Genoa. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? <laughs> yes. Um, although we didn't, I, I wasn't aware of this this loan back though. So uh, he's going to be presumably still playing, although Juventus have got him for the future, um, which is a, a decent move from their point of view, I think. Um, and then beyond that, it's a, a lot of players who we're not really that interested in talking about, I think, by and large. Um, the number of players, the, the number of Argentines who have moved in the last few months who I've just never heard of. And I mean, obviously a lot of them are like moving around clubs in the lower leagues of Argentina, but some of them are moving between some pretty big clubs abroad. Um, and I've just, well, or even just some, some not very big clubs abroad. Marcos Espeche just moved from Gubbio to Reggio Audace, which I'm guessing well, from the names are two Italian ask, clubs. I will ask uh, Jimmy whether he knows Thomas, Thomas Atis who has been transferred from Belgrano to San Fernando for 120 hundred uh, thousand sorry thousand euros Jimmy if you know then then let us know uh, for now we'll move on to listeners questions we have had a fair few 
Uh, we had a comment, very nice one on Twitter a couple of days ago from John Wilson. Uh, that's not the Jonathan Wilson, of course, who very much knows what Hand of Pod is because he's been on a couple of times. Uh, but John Wilson says, just discovered Hand of Pod. No idea what they're talking about, but it's very entertaining. So thank you, John. Uh, welcome on board. And we hope that you continue to find us entertaining. Uh, some questions then. I've got to scroll up a little bit now. Um, Bud Bundy sent us one yesterday. He says, everywhere I look, the, seven, the 2017 to 2018 Arsenal de Sarandí points are not included in the Promedio table. Is it in the Alpha regulations that those are wiped out upon their return? I just want them sent back down as soon as possible. Um, so, yes, basically. The way that the Promedios, the points average system, uh, that is still at the moment being used to decide relegation from the Superliga... Remember, all of the lower divisions have done away with that for this season. Uh, the way that that works is that it takes the average number of points per game won over your last three consecutive seasons in the division that you're in at the moment. So for teams who were in this division two seasons ago, got relegated and then came back up, uh, they start with a completely clean slate. It's only if you've been in it for three consecutive seasons that you have three three seasons on, on the road. So basically... Uh, yeah, what you're looking at is correct, bud, unfortunately. Um, Jamie says... Uh, tum, 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 tum. Oh, okay, that's, a, that's a, a comment about how to say Giovanni Lo Celso. I'm not sure why he's come into this, because it was a conversation between uh, somebody else, Dan, and, and other people. Um, apparently, Giovanni Lo Celso says his own name, Lo Celso. I was asked about this earlier on, on BBC Radio and I told them it was Lo Celso for most people in Argentina. Come on. That's how I've always heard it. Um, and, uh, yeah, but apparently it's not how he says it himself. Um, so, well, Bad sorry. And sorry, Jamie, because apparently Jamie's saying that well, he's, always, he's always said it our way because that's how we say it. So, uh, well, yeah. Bianchi is not Bianchi, it's Bianchi, right? Yeah. I mean, it should be. That sense, yes. Yeah. Musacchio, Mascherano... Yes. Although apparently Mascherano isn't actually an Italian surname. No, um, but uh, there are some Argentines who pronounce... Uh, I would say a, a minority, but there's at least one commentator, I can't remember who, who, who calls Javier Mascherano, Mascherano on the basis that, well, it's a CH and it's an Italian name. And then I only heard a, f- a couple of years ago that apparently it isn't an Italian name at all. It's from some really weird region of, of uh, one of the Italian islands which doesn't actually or didn't speak Italian at the time that the name came about or something like that. Um... But anyway, yeah, I hear it said more often than not on Argentine media and by commentators, it gets pronounced Lo Celso here. Uh, so I'm going to ignore even Giovanni Lo Celso himself. Uh, how does he say his first name, I wonder? Does he say Giovanni or does he say I Giovanni? Say, I say Giovanni, but it's exactly. acting, as an instinct. Uh, okay, I'm not saying because I think that... No, it's, I, I, I say Giovanni because I, I, didn't, I don't uh, even realise or... It's automatic. No, indeed. Uh, apparently, uh, I, when asked about it on the radio earlier, but they, they had another uh, person on who said that UEFA's um, own pronunciation guide a couple of years ago suggested Lo Celso for it. And I subsequently pr- proceeded to call him Lo Celso all the time on, on my very brief radio spot. And I tweeted them afterwards to say, hey, this was more force of habit than anything. Uh, so we're probably not going to stop calling him Lo Celso. Um, but I will try and remember not to in the future. Uh, Belgrano in English our good friend Jimmy says other than Geich Adolfo Geich who has been the standout at the Pan American Games 
who else do you think deserves a call-up to the, I, I assume it means to the full national team? A biased opinion, but Joaquin Nomicho has been solid at the back and provides speed in a position that Argentina are greatly lacking. He has played all 360 minutes. Um, I did respond to Jimmy from my own Twitter account saying, bloody hell, are we supposed to have been watching the Pan American Games all this time? As I said, I caught bits of it, but very little of the men's side, a little bit more of the women's side. Um, well, there is... Andres, do you want to stick your the, oar in? Or? Now there is the ball there, but I, I will give a chance, not right now, not as a, an instant call-up, but uh, as, a, as a prospect for the future. Altinursi, uh, the one I mentioned also, mm. twice today. Uh, the, the Banfield, I think that not for a lot of time uh, playing for Banfield, I think he will transfer sooner or later. Um, but yes, that's I think one, and he's playing the Pan American because I, I, I said before that there were there are a lot of players uh, that weren't uh, uh, given by the teams, so it's uh, like a, not the same team that play in the South American, in Sudamericano, also. Uh, yeah, so yes, I will say you'll see. Yes, indeed. Um, Darren Paul says, Ivan Alexis Pichud is better than Cafu, Roberto Carlos, sorry, Roberto Carlos and Messi combined. This, this is no question, only a statement of fact. Um, fair enough. If that's what you think, Darren, then we'll allow you to think it. Uh, Racing Club UK filial Londres, the official Racing Club fan club uh, based in London for the UK, uh, which is run by Darren, by the way, then tweeted us almost immediately to say, we think that Chacho Codet needs to move to two holding midfielders against Riber. What do you think of that, playing a 4-2-3-1? Given well, that River appear to have um, the problem is that when, found the goal... When Racing played differently against River, they didn't very well. Uh, they also said when they were eliminated by River in the Copa Libertadores... Uh, 2018, that they were, they betrayed themselves because they played differently against River in the Monumental, and they weren't very good. Uh, they played, of course, being defending too, too, too much comparing to the way they were playing before. I'd uh, agree with that. Actually, I think that's a good point. Caudet obviously is a former River player. Um, he, I think, he's mentioned right that he would probably consider himself to be a potential future River manager. Yes, um, and. I, I get the impression sometimes that maybe a combination of that combined with um, the the fact that the head-to-head record between River and Racing is, no offence Racing fans, but it is massively skewed uh, towards River. River of, of I, I think I was told by Seba, uh, one of our resident Racing fans, shortly after I moved here to Argentina, that it is one of the most one-sided, well, it might be the most one-sided fixture between two big five sides. Um, in terms of the advantage that River have in that head-to-head. Um, and I wonder whether that also plays into it a little bit. But he, it's as if he tries to be a little bit cleverer to try and get an edge on them, and it ends up going badly for them. Um, I would agree that I think if he wanted to play two holding midfielders against River, then he possibly should have played two holding midfielders against Belles as well, yes. to, to actually get the team used to doing it, rather than just pouncing it upon them but the other thing I would say to, to Racing uh, fans to any of you if you're listening I'd be interested to hear who you think those two holding midfielders ought to be because Marcelo Diaz is obviously going to be one of them uh, who wasn't that good against Belles um, yes. and I'm not sure who, who the other one would be 
Andrei Dominguez played two way, two back, two way. Uh, I think most as a as a third centre back than as a defensive midfielder. Yeah. Uh, and yes, he could be there also. And then then uh, Pulpito Gonzalez, Diego Gonzalez, a more yeah, as yeah. A free centre midfielder. Yeah, you could maybe play Dominguez as, alongside um, alongside Diaz. And then move what maybe Lucas Orban coming into centre back could be one way of yes. doing it. But I, I think that they're better off just sticking to their guns and, and sticking to the um, to their identity. Uh, the next question is again from Darren. He says, "How's the football manager say going? Or has that been fully put in the back pocket?" Uh, no, it's always ongoing. I've not played it for a while, but that isn't to say it's on the back burner. Um, it, it's going all right. We're halfway through. I think the twenty forty four forty five season now. I'm still after an unbeaten season, though. That's that's what I want. I want to go unbeaten in the league. And we keep on losing, like, one game. Last season, one defeat. season before that, it was two defeats. Both after, I think, after the league title had been... Or one of them was after the league title had been won. Um, so it's a bit frustrating. But, yeah, that's, that's what we're still getting. And also, we have to regain the European Cup this season. Uh, but I'm not sure when I'm next going to be playing. I might give it a go tonight, because I've got a little bit of spare time tonight. I've got a slightly ahead of, of some work. Um, and Darren also says, also notice that Tevez was looking in excellent shape the other day. Is he taking football seriously again? I said we had a question about this, didn't we? Um, yeah, we talked about that. Uh, apparently, just... seemingly so. Yeah, uh, yes. as, as we said earlier, we appear to agree with you, Darren. Um, JM has the what appears to be the last question of the evening for now. Says, whatever happened to River Plate's Sosa? Will he crack the first squad again? Is he still being sold to Everton? Well, he has been injured recently, recently and now he's apparently fit again. But, uh, well, uh, uh, between the uh, before this, he was on the point of being transferred to Everton. But, well, this transfer, uh, this work permit was uh, not easy to get for him. And, well, the, of course, transfer was uh, down. Uh, and now he's re- uh, just recovering. But... Uh, when this happens, uh, it's hard for a player when when he's injured and, and, and then he's back to be inserted into the first team. As River now is working okay or, or very well with, with without Sosa, uh, so it's a really it's not easy situation for him. Uh, from moving to Everton to not being taken into account in the first team for River, even with this problem of the injury. Yeah. Um, I think he'll probably get some minutes later in the season when he's a little, a little bit closer to yes. full fitness again. And um, when River has again and and uh, several matches, one just close to the other one. Uh, in that case, he could be part Copa Argentina or, or some other matches in which Gallardo uh, needs players yeah. that haven't been playing recently. Yeah, when the Copa Libertadores quarterfinals come in, and then obviously if River make the semis, uh, it could potentially be against Boca. Um, and you'll get a, a bunch of matches all quite close together at that point. And I would expect, if he can remain fit now, that he will play a few of the league games around that time. It wouldn't be so um, so strange to see him in action when he's fit anyway, because Poncio is suffering from uh, some physical uh, difficulties or pain. Mm. Uh, well, he's not young, of course, just the opposite to Sosa. And uh, he's been he's playing like pieces of matches. Uh, he's not at at his one hundred percent, 
so perhaps Gallardo is following his recovery and he will include him in a in a if he's of course not in a starting lineup because he wants players to get back uh, little by little he will I think take into account uh, at, at least some minutes in any match and then yes take more into account him yes absolutely uh, that concludes the question section for this week there is no Mystic Sam this week I said earlier on that there was no football this weekend we didn't explain oh, oh, why you, you won't predict the elections no, I'm not going to predict the, okay. the elections. Partly, I don't really understand what the elections are for because they're only primary. They're, they're yes. open primaries in Argentina, but that still means, um, in spite of them only being open primaries, uh, it's basically a glorified opinion poll, um, that there is no football this weekend. Uh, so the Superliga reconvenes in a week and a day from when we record this and in a week from when it actually goes online because it will go online at some point during Friday. Um, so no Mystic Sam? Gives me the week off. Last week on Mystic Sam, I'm going to try and remember to actually look up the results of Mystic Sam each week from now on. Uh, last week, I defended uh, my honour against Jimmy. Um, I won one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, Jimmy got one, two. I won six, four from how many games are there now? 13 normally, yes. isn't it? Yes. 26 teams, 13 matches, but of course, Independiente Newells didn't. Um, get played so I, I got half of the matches correct uh, which I'm quite happy with I'm pretty happy with a 50% that, that, that cool. would be a decent average if I could keep it up all season unlucky Jimmy if anybody wants to to challenge me to predict round 3 of the Superliga then feel free get in touch via Twitter or by email uh, on the Hand of Pod contact form Remember to head to fntz.co slash HOP and use the discount code HOPFZ if you want to get 20% off your first three months with Fanatis. But again, we advise you that you probably don't want to do that until this time next week, given that there is a seven-day free trial included in that, and that would mean that you'd be getting seven days of, I think there are a couple of Copa Argentina games next week. Yes. But... Not really very much else. No, um, expect uh, wait for one ten days more and then. No, but it's more than that, isn't it? Because it's the fifth round that they're playing, so it's oh. going to be in like three weeks' time. And also, stop telling them to wait, Andres. Definitely sign up right now because otherwise, we don't get any money. They, they <laughs> yes. might forget. So sign up right now, but don't sign up right now. Sign up in a day, in, in a week's time, so that you can take advantage of that seven week, seven day free trial. Uh, as well uh, with Fanatis thank you very much to Fanatis for sponsoring us and thank you as well very much indeed of course to all of our Patreon supporters who will be getting a Hand of Pod extra as well as this Um, if you want to become one of them if you want to join the Hand of Pod Patreon club then you can go to patreon.com slash Hand of Pod it's a really easy address to remember and uh, sign up that will also uh permits those the, those patrons contribute contributors to choose a, a subject for us to talk about so oh, yes that's that's great for them also to not only will it permit them to but yes. we beg them to yes. because we're about to start recording it right now and we don't actually know what we're going to talk about uh, so we're going to sit yes. down and have a five minute chat and try and work out what to cover as the cat apparently is about to decide to chase things around the table which could go disastrously given the number of glasses on the table um Anyway, for now, we will say thank you very much to all of you for listening. Go and check out Fanatis again, fntz.co slash HOP. We get a little bit of money 
that everybody who clicks on that link or follows that address outside Latin America. So even if you're not planning to sign up, send it round to everybody in your contact list and, and ask them to click it at least, and you'll be helping us a tiny little bit. Um, and if you want to help us a lot, then you can go to patreon.com slash handofpod. For now, thanks and goodbye from Andres. Thank you, goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>